So last Sunday, right after I finished the first service, I went over there and I grabbed a, a drink of my water and my phone buzzed. Tiffany had texted me right after the service. She'd stayed home sick, so she had watched online. And the text said this, you got teary-eyed at the end, didn't you? And I responded back with a touch. I always do. If you were listening, that was when I said that I love you. And if you've seen me, as I've done many times up here, I often choke up when I express that, because I do. You see, we, the Barr family, we have reason to feast and to give thanks. It's Thanksgiving break. And of course, that means that the college students that are away, or at least many of them, that are away at school come home for a few days. In fact, I've already seen a couple of you walk in this morning. Many are still on their way, but as a parent, that's an exciting moment to see your kid. For our family, one of our nieces just got engaged, and we will get to see her this week and celebrate with Will and Aiden for their pending wedding. And then, of course, we love our church, the family of God that we were talking about last week, our household of God here at Grace at College and McCoy, and we love our life here in Santa Maria, 23 years and counting. But also we, the family of grace, have reason to give thanks. If you remember, I went through a long list of ways that you could connect last week. Here are some pictures from what happened just over the last seven or eight days. There was the Iwana Grand Prix, and obviously they had a blast. A bunch of people cramming into the gym to watch the Pinewood Derby in the cars. Our college and our young professionals gathered together for dinner and worship. We had a great night on Thursday night. Our teenagers had just met the Saturday before last, last Sunday, and they had a spectacular time. And our women's ministry met this last Friday night, the one we just had. I don't have any pictures of this one. I, I didn't take any. But on Tuesday night, our youth group, which meets every single Tuesday night, we had a great discussion and some wonderful small groups. This is from our missions trip over the summer. And our high school students, I had them pray for the empty chair. If you haven't heard that, that's somebody that they're committed to inviting to church and youth group, to offering a Bible if they don't have one, to praying that they would come to faith, and the one that terrifies everybody but it doesn't have to, to sharing the gospel with them, to inviting them into the family of grace, or today, to invite them in to feasting and give you thanks because we at Grace have reason to feast and give thanks. And of course, we the recipients of grace and those who know and enjoy the gospel have reason to feast and give thanks. Salvation and forgiveness, redemption, adoption, sanctification, and all those theological words that we tend to forget but are rich with meaning and give us so many reasons for feasting and thanksgiving. Ecclesiastes 8.15 says this, And I commend joy, for man has nothing better under the sun but to eat and drink and be joyful. For this will go with him in his toil through the days of his life that God has given him under the sun. It doesn't sound like a very biblical phrase, but eat, drink, and be merry is from the Bible. It's from Ecclesiastes. It's from Solomon. In fact, he says there's nothing better. Now, you've got to remember the end of the book, and I'll get to that in a minute. But there's nothing better 
in life than to eat and to drink and to enjoy it, to feast. There's nothing better. You see, no matter what we do, life consists with toil. There's loss and pain and suffering. We live in a broken world, a sinful world, and it causes difficulty. Since the fall, it's been hard and beyond hard. But life also consists of sleeping. No matter what you do, you will fall asleep. Of eating and also of encountering people. Whether you like it or not, this week will involve some toil, it will involve some sleep, it will involve some eating. We usually enjoy that one. And it will involve encountering people, and we sometimes enjoy that one. So we might as well feast. In fact, the Bible even says it's a gift of God to be able to enjoy that in the midst of toil. So if we can joyously feast during lockdowns and pandemics we might catch the world's attention. They might pay attention and ask us, what's going on? What seems different about you and your situation than how I'm feeling about the toil in my life? Now, a key is that it would be joyously, and you could probably add and biblically add wisely and humbly, and we'll get to it eventually, thankfully. In other words, as we eat, drink, and be merry, it needs to be done biblically, that we would feast in a way that honors God. And not to heap guilt on us, but shame on us, if and when recklessly and defiantly and fearfully and perhaps even politically have been more applicable descriptions than joyously, wisely, humbly, and biblically as we go about our life. Ecclesiastes says, eat, drink, and be merry multiple times. It is all over the book if you take a look at it. But it drives you to the end of chapter 11 and then throughout chapter 12 where it finishes with its purpose and the ultimate qualifier that we would remember God and that we would honor God. Feasting is holy worship. And not just sinful abandon. Feasting is a kind of worship. It is worship. Or at least it could be. Those of you that are struggling with your concept of worship or this picture of eternity where you hear a full eternity of worship in heaven and that sounds depressing or boring to you. You need to dig deeper. Because feasting is worship. Again, at least it can be and it should be. In fact, it's scripture affirmed, and here it's prescribed by the divine wisdom that was granted to Solomon. So this week, feast. Enjoy the company that you're with and the food that you're eating. Just make sure that you feast to the glory of God in obedience to his word and with thanksgiving. Colossians 3, 15. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. The word peace there. Our youth group's trying to make a big deal out of this. In the Old Testament, it would be shalom. Here it's Irene or Irene. That's our theme for kickback and for the year. A couple weeks ago when I was preaching, I tacked that on for the spiritual disciplines of 
being at shalom with prayer or finding shalom through prayer and then being at shalom with fasting. Not just fasting, but being at peace with fasting and being peaceful through fasting. Finding shalom. Because of being in right relationship with God, enjoying his blessing and his grace, shalom, no matter what is going on, what toil, as Ecclesiastes would say, you might be facing. And some of us are facing great toil. In fact, the holiday season that we're starting, for many throughout the world and around us, it is not a time of feasting and joy, but a time of toil and hurt. But in the midst of that, to enjoy shalom, peace. And then you might have noticed in there, to, indeed, you were called in one body. That's what we talked about last week, the family of God. And it should be marked by shalom. Right relationship with God, enjoying his grace and blessing no matter what's going on, and you could tack on together. That that would be true of us as a church and as Christians that we would enjoy shalom and be thankful. In fact, it ends that way. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. When I looked it up in the ESV, there are 162 passages in Scripture that use a variation or the word thanks or thankful. A lot that the Bible has to say about being thankful. But we know this is who we're supposed to be, at least a part of it. And yet it's so easy to let it slip away because we click on the news or on our social media or we encounter a friend or a family member that reminds us more of toil than joy or causes more toil than joy. It's so easy to have our focus on God and a thankful heart be stripped away. And so we need moments like Thanksgiving to remind us to be thankful. Many people on social media are trying to remember to do one thing they're thankful for each day and to post about that throughout the month of November. That's a great spiritual discipline. It's a great use of social media. We need to be thankful this week, especially this week. But we also need to be thankful every week. We need to make sure that our church, our Sunday school classes, our families, the car ride home, our thankful moments, and a, a thankful people. Because the family of God should be thankful. And be thankful, though, is actually the second and in the verse. There's a first. And that and is supposed to point us to the context a little bit. If you were to read verse 12 through 17... It's such an amazing set of verses. There's a mini fruit of the Spirit that pops up in there. It talks about forgiveness. It reminds us that the word of Christ is to dwell in us richly. And then it ends with 17. And I would encourage you to memorize this verse along with 1 Corinthians 10.31. Colossians 3.17. Whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. That's a great verse to live by. Everything you do, honor God. Whatever you encounter throughout the day, honor God. However you interact with each other, honor God. But for what we're looking at right now and for the week that we're in, notice that giving thanks. 
to God the Father through him. Make sure in all of those moments that we are giving thanks. That's not always easy, again, because of that toil, because of loss, because of our brokenness and our sinfulness. Sometimes thanks is something we have to work at. But our ultimate thanks, this would be true of every moment for those of us who are in Christ Jesus, comes through Christ and only through Christ. 1 Corinthians 15, 57. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Our ultimate thanks is because of salvation, because of relationship with God. And so we feast and we give thanks because God does amazing things. And the most amazing for us is that he forgives us, that he redeems us. It was even written into the Old Testament festival law, both feasting and thanksgiving, and the Feast of Booths. Nehemiah 8, 13 through 18. I was reminded this a couple weeks ago for two reasons. First, we taught, we te- taught, excuse me, we taught through Nehemiah in one day, Ezra and Nehemiah, with our Sunday school class over in the youth group. And I came across this as I was trying to figure out how do I teach both of these books all in one shot? What do I need to emphasize? And I believe this is one of the ones that ended up getting cut out because of time. But I bumped into it for that. The other reason, though, is there was a house in the neighborhood just to the north of our property that actually celebrated that this year. In fact, they do it every single year. And they put up a booth, a tabernacle, a tent. It's a whole week the Feast of Booths is a whole week of both feasting and thanksgiving. And it was to remind them of God's faithfulness, specifically over their journey through the desert, as well as reminding them of why they were journeying through the desert, that that was part of their history. As the older generation died out for not obeying God, as the younger generation rose up, watching God's provision and reminding them to be thankful. Nehemiah 8, 13 through 18. On the second day, the heads of fathers' houses of all the people with the priests and the Levites came together to Ezra the scribe in order to study the words of the law. And they found it written in the law that the Lord had commanded by Moses that the people of Israel should dwell in booths during the feast of the seventh month, that they should proclaim it and publish it in all their towns and in Jerusalem. Go out to the hills and bring branches of olive, wild olive, myrtle, palm, and other leafy trees to make booths as it is written. So the people went out and brought them and made booths for themselves, each on his roof and in their courts, and in the courts of the house of God, and in the square at the water gate, and in the square at the gate of Ephraim. And all the assembly of those who had returned from the captivity made booths and lived in the booths. For from the days of Yeshua, or Joshua, the son of Nun, to that day the people of Israel had not done so. And there was very great rejoicing. And day by day, from the first day to the last day, he read from the book of the law of God. They kept the feast seven days. And on the eighth day, there was a solemn assembly according to the rule. Feast of Booths is an interesting mashup of a harvest festival and our Thanksgiving while on a camp out and basically doing backyard Bible club. Just take all of those, move it up to Big Sur if you want to, or down to Refugio or El Capitan, 
And you can say refugio however you want to. I know half of you just said it in your head that I said it wrong. But it's this spectacular mashup where for a week you really go out to the backyard and you put a, t- put a tent up and you all live there, even though you have a perfectly good house. And it was to remind them of that history with God, his faithfulness, their toil and sinfulness, his redemption. And it came about because they were reading the Bible as they returned to the land. And maybe they appreciated it more. It says here that since Joshua, they hadn't really celebrated it. Now, there's a couple points in the Bible where you see them celebrate it, though. I was reading a commentary and said, well, they seemed in those moments to have probably emphasized the harvest festival, but not the other part of it. And probably what you see is a number of exiles that are returning back and have a different appreciation than the generations that came after Joshua. They understood thankfulness differently because they had been lacking. There had been a toil that the other generations between them had not known, at least for that reason. And so they feasted and they gave thanks. You see, God wanted his people to feast and give thanks annually, regularly. So he commanded a celebration that makes our thanksgiving look tame. He wanted them to celebrate. And so he wrote it into the law. Because God God valued feasting and thanksgiving. And he wanted us to remember through that. You can argue that they are spiritual disciplines. And you might think of thanksgiving that way, but do you ever think of feasting that way? That we would rejoice and honor God as an intentional practice through enjoying community and flavorful food. So be thankful because of Christ. Be thankful because of how God has worked to bring goodness in our life. And if you don't know that, if you don't share our reasons for feasting and thanksgiving, then we invite you to join us in following him. Last week I gave a quick version of the gospel, about the quickest that I can do. This one is a little bit longer. It's the Romans Road. It's a concise version for me. If you know me, I, I tend to do a long one. But Romans 3, 10 through 12 and verse 23. Romans 5, 8. Romans 6, 23. Romans 8, 1. And Romans 10, 9 and 10. And I'm going to read them straight through as if they're mashed together. They're on the screen that way. But those, that's jumping around Paul's long argument of the gospel. And it's, it says this. As it is written, none is righteous. No, not one. No one understands. No one seeks for God. All have turned aside. Together they've become worthless. No one does good, not even one. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. But God shows his love for us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. And that's why as Christians we can feast and give thanks in any moment. 
And I'd encourage you, if that's not true for you, if you have not put your faith in Christ before this moment, then confess and believe and join us in feasting and thanksgiving. That's the offer of Scripture. That you would not just enjoy a day of thanksgiving because the nation declares it. But that you would know every day as thanksgiving because God has declared your sins forgiven. And Christians, we have reason to feast and to give thanks this week and every week. We have reason to celebrate, to feast, because Christ has forgiven us. Before I pray, I'm going to have you take a moment and just spend some time quietly thanking God, thinking through this week. If nothing else, you can celebrate. This is the shortest sermon I've ever preached. You can be thankful for that. And Chet can run out and get his worship team, by the way. But I want to take a moment and just pause and reflect. What are the many reasons that I have to be thankful? Starting with this. If you know Christ, you're forgiven. Salvation, adoption, redemption, forgiveness, election. Many of us have pains and struggles. Feel free to take those to God too. Help me pray to him. Help me remember the thankful moments even in this tragic pain. Because God can carry both of those for you. He can take you to thankfulness even when you're suffering. Because we are forgiven. Just on your own, I will wrap up in a couple minutes with prayer. But on your own, talk to God and be thankful. And Lord, we praise your name. Whether it is students coming home from college or it's the joy of gathering together with our family or it's an invite from a friend that sees that our family is elsewhere or gone and so they, join a, they invite us to join them for feasting and thanksgiving. Lord, above all, we thank you for you have blessed us with you. You have saved and redeemed us, and we are thankful. And so we praise your name. Amen. You got them all? Nicely done. I can't tell you how terrified they were when I uh, mentioned I was about done.